For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. I'm Chris Dowd. And I'm Reagan Gilliland. And this is Off Script, a podcast where every week we take a deeper dive on last Sunday's sermon, talk about the theology behind it, and get a chance to discuss anything that ended up on the cutting room floor. We are wrapping up our Moral of the Story sermon series. Again, shout out to our communications team. We were going to go Luke's Greatest Hits, but somebody did think it was funny that I called it. I think I said it kind of in passing mm-hmm. Luke's Greatest Hits. Mm-hmm. Somebody got a kick out of that. I mean, I think you should release an album at some point, huh. but you Maybe. know, yeah. Why not? Sure. I mean, we heard him sing on Sunday. I think he's got Mm -hmm. the chops. I can bring it. Hey, I can bring it on a church song. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm not shy about that. I Mm -hmm. think a Christmas album. (laughs) That's a good idea. (laughs) I love that idea. Well, let's set it up. Yeah, let's do it. Let's tell Ben we're going to do that. It'll be a fundraiser. Perfect. (laughs) I wanted to do that, what, last year before us all auditioning for the Oh Holy Night (gasps) solo. Have different staff members audition for. (laughs) Let's do it. I think we'll find some surprising talent. For stewardship season, mm-hmm. we can say the top tier of givers, and we can define that however we want. Yeah. We'll get a limited edition Christmas album from oh. the Christ United staff. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> what song are you going to sing? What would you sing? Um, let's see. That's a good question. Like secular songs or these Christmas Just songs? Just whatever. Right? Yeah. Man, there's so many great ones. Mary, did you know? Okay. After all the shade that got thrown at that Perfect. song at our last... At our planning meeting last week for Christmas. You know, to each his own, Chris. That was just awful. Yeah. To each his own. Yep. All right. It'll be like the Muppets album. You know, the Muppets Christmas album. Listen, Muppets Christmas Carol. It's great. It's great. Brilliant. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is brilliant. I had not seen it until last year, like during COVID. Really? Yeah. And I'm home alone. The boys are a little older. And so Mm -hmm. introducing them to new movies like that is a little bit of a tougher slog, you know? Mm -hmm. So we have our standards that we watch. And so I was home alone wrapping gifts or whatever, and I put it on. And I was like, I was in tears. And I mm-hmm. was I was like, this is brilliant. And Michael Michael Caine is just, he can is, do anything. He really sold it. I, it was, so anyway. That's awesome. I yeah. can't, I love that you just have seen that recently. I'd love to see that again for the first time. So yeah. it came out my first year in the Navy. And oh. so I was doing other, I mean, a long time ago. Yeah. Was doing other things. No Muppets on the boat. No Muppets on the ship. Thank you very much. <laughs> Boats are what? Boats are what you launch from the ship to get to shore. That's right. Potato, anyway. patata. There's a right. West Wing joke in there somewhere. <laughs> there probably is. Mm-hmm. My favorite TV series of all time, by the way. Yeah, we're rewatching it right now. All right, so our sermon series, yeah. just to get us back on yes. track. Luke, Gosh. Luke's greatest hits. We talked about Zacchaeus, which is such a beloved story. Yes. And I have to say... I had somebody, a longtime member of the church, I think he's probably in his 80s, yeah. grew up in the church, Methodist church in Louisiana. Had never heard, didn't know that he ever heard the story of Zacchaeus, and he definitely didn't know the song. Wow. And I'm like, your hometown church preacher let you down. Yeah. If you did not know that going up, he's like, I agree. I agree, Chris. <laughs> he sure did. So I, um, I came from Lover's Lane, which the founding pastor, Tom Ship, that was like his, his sermon. Mm. He was like known mm. for it. Mm. And so I've heard Zacchaeus many, many times, and Stan Copeland wouldn't like repeat it. But it's a great, it's a great story. So yeah, you could, story. you could preach on it. Many times. And so that's kind of my first question. Yeah. You mentioned that you preached, you have preached on the Zacchaeus story during stewardship time, mm-hmm. but there's several ways to preach the story. Yeah. So how does this story lend itself to different seasons, different times, different themes? 
So, like, I don't think Luke intends it as a stewardship sermon. I think he's just he's just talking about Zacchaeus's response to, to God's grace, or to extrapolate. That's not the way Zacchaeus would explain it, right? As he's getting to know Jesus, but I think that's the way Luke would. And it comes not not too far before, um, like, there's in Luke, there's this series of stories and. There's a rich man and Lazarus story where there's a kind of a story about generosity and like there's there's a series of stories about generosity. So the reason I preached on it in that context before is because it lends itself to it. But then, like, and I said this in the sermon, you could do a whole thing on the grumbling crowds, like people not wanting Jesus to go to the tax collector's house. You could focus on that last verse: "The Son of Man came to seek out and save the lost." Have you you preached on Zacchaeus before? I have, and I've tried to find my old sermons. I'm like, what was my point? All I know is that I had a student build me a Lego model of like a Zacchaeus, like up in a tree. <laughs> it was pretty. It was a pretty cool. That's cool. model. Mm-hmm. That was at the modern service. Yes, in, at Lover's Lane. Yeah. So there is a sycamore tree in Jericho. They call it Zacchaeus's tree. Mm-hmm. Yes. Clearly, it's not the one. Right. But there's one that commemorates the story. I remember being in the Holy Land, and our guide was like, some lady was like, I want to. I want to see the tree that Zacchaeus. He's like, sure, it's that one. And he's like, that tree's only like a thousand years or something, you know. He's like, clearly it's not the tree. Right, right. But she was convinced. Yeah, sure. So, yeah. But no, it's a great story. I mean, you, yeah, so many different perspectives, so many different themes. So you told us fairly quickly about why tax collectors were hated so much. Yeah. So talk about that. And then was there anything else on the cutting room floor you found out? And what made a chief tax collector so bad? <laughs> so... Problem with tax collectors is not collecting taxes. Like, so if you work for the IRS, like you're not, <laughs> you wouldn't be the villain in the New Testament. It, the problem was that, I mean, I don't know a whole lot of people love paying taxes, but it wasn't the actual tax that was the problem. It was the the double premium or whatever uh, sur- surcharge that was put on the on the tax by subsequent people. So the Romans would would sell the rights to collect taxes to these kind of entities, private entities, who would then basically hire these subcontractors to actually collect the taxes. And those subcontractors could um, charge basically whatever they get away with and keep whatever the difference was between what the entity was charging and what they collected, which was already more than what the Romans were originally wanting. So when the tax collector showed up at your door, you knew you were getting cheated okay. of more money than the Roman government really needed. It seems like a terrible way to collect taxes. Mm-hmm. Terrible. Yeah. So you made a funny, <laughs> you made a f- funny comment on Facebook yesterday. I did. Yeah. So what was it? I said, "Thanks, TurboTax, for not sending Roman soldiers." <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to line it up. It was, it was funny. Yeah. Nobody. I, I laughed. You laughed. I did the laughing. And emoji. Kathy Taylor laughed. Okay, excellent. That was it. Thank Thanks, you, Kathy. Kathy. Yeah. Thank you for that. The thing about chief tax collector, and I think this is fascinating. Nowhere else in Greek literature does that term even exist. Hmm. The, uh, like there's no, there was no such thing. So Luke is basically saying super bad guy. Mm-hmm. That's who Zacchaeus was. Mm-hmm. So he, a couple of things that I don't think I realized. Um, one, so Zacchaeus was a Jew, fellow Jew. Did I read that in the right, in the script? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I guess in my head, I always thought of him as like an outsider. Mm-hmm. Like he was a rote, like, I don't know, somehow I missed that growing up. And so he's like one of them. And you mentioned this in your sermon. Yeah, like, that's yeah, yeah. why, like, it was even doubly hard because it was probably someone you, like, grew, you grew up with right, and right. was your friend. Yeah. And now I was like, oh, he's like one of them and mm-hmm. has completely, he's cheating his friends and family. Mm-hmm. And I, um, yeah. So the, now 
so the text itself. Yeah, what does it say? Like what, what I said in the sermon was, if you were a member of the Jewish community and you were a tax collector, okay. then you were doubly despised. Okay. So that's why the general feeling of tax collectors in the New Testament is, is negative. And if you were uh, a member of the Jewish community and you did that, then you're like selling out your friends, basically. Yeah. I mean, he says, today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. I mean, he, so Jesus calls him a son of Abraham. Okay. I don't know if he, he's saying, it would be weird if Jesus was saying just because you offer to give back the money, that makes you a, yeah. a Jew, I would yeah. think. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not clear, though. Yeah, it's not. Okay. Right, right. It's kind of implied. A little bit. Okay. I didn't realize it until our class did this, the chosen study because in that show they portray him as a Jew too. And that's oh, part do? of the problem. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I think he probably was. Yeah. Yeah, because okay. Jesus came to his own first, you know? Yeah. Okay. So is there an example of something or some organization that would be like a modern-day tax collector? Like I thought about like those um, – well – it's not exactly the same, but people that like scam on like elderly, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. or like take, um, yeah. or then I just thought about the way those fast like loan, yeah. loan mm-hmm. places. Check yeah, cash. Yeah. Check cash. Payday loan. That just. Companies. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's interesting. Whitney and I kind of socially many, many years ago, 20 years ago, became friends with a couple and uh, he ran those. Mm-hmm. And this is back when I was in seminary, mm-hmm. you know, and all salty about what I was learning or whatever. And so we had these. We're, we're salty? You know, I'm, so, I'm pretty mellow now. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and, you know, asked him, like, so, do you, I mean, do you not feel like you're being exploitative? Yeah. That's, that's the critique. I mean, yeah. we were friendly enough that we could talk yeah. about it. And uh, his perspective was the company line, which is that banking services are unavailable to an entire community. And mm-hmm. so, like, they're actually providing a service, even if it's basically at usury rates. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I think that's probably what I would would be the closest thing. Mm-hmm. Someone who charges you a lot to use your own money. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, as you know, I always like to picture like stories and use my imagination a little bit. So you've got this chief tax collector, Zacchaeus, not respectable, but probably because he had all this money, fine clothing, was nice. And you think about him climbing up in a tree. <laughs> right. I picture that. And I'm like, what does that tell us about discipleship? Or what does it tell about where Zacchaeus' heart was to mm-hmm. take the initiative to climb up in a tree. Because I don't think someone like him probably climbed trees a lot. <laughs> right? Yeah, probably not. That's actually a really generous way to picture him. I mean, like his, his, his willingness, his motivation mm-hmm. to, to go to that length with his fancy purple robe and his big old yeah. rings or whatever. Yeah. Because you think someone like him would be like, excuse me, I'm coming through. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like make way for me. Right. Well, I mean, and you add that to the offer that he makes immediately. With Jesus, mm-hmm. right? So he makes the effort to go up in the tree to find him. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. So he goes above and beyond. He, d- he doesn't have to make this offer. So he, make, he goes to the effort to climb up in the tree because he's a little guy. And then Zacchaeus, in response to all the people grumbling, so all who saw it began to grumble. <laughs> That's a great Luke in detail, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Luke is a wordsmith. So he's saying this is a big deal. He's gone to be the guest of one who's a sinner. So Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, look, half of my possessions, Lord, I'll give to the poor. Well, that's not required anywhere. Mm-hmm. Now, later in Luke, he'll tell, I think, the rich young ruler to sell, you, sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Mm-hmm. Why? Because the rich young ruler, I mean, the very next verse, I'm doing this from memory, I'm not looking at it, it says, 
and he went, he went away sad because he had many things. Mm-hmm. Right. So the, the state of the rich young ruler or the rich young man, it's the, the gospels tell different versions of who that was, but he clearly doesn't, his heart's not in the right place. So Jesus sets this unreasonable expectation. Zacchaeus, who's very rich, can, uh, you know, he's plenty to give away, mm-hmm. offers half when really 10% is the expectation, right? In terms of tithing. Mm-hmm. And that's okay because it's like that is a reflection on his spirit. And then he says he'll, if he's defrauded anyone of anything, he'll pay back four times as much. So he's clearly is seeking something that he believes he's found in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Nobody else likes it because they don't like that guy. It's a very human reaction. Mm-hmm. Even him. He gets grace too. Yeah. Hmm. That's not fair. That's not fair. Not that is not fair. fair exactly. <laughs> so that line, like, to seek the lost. So we've got Jesus who, he's in this crowd, and he looks up in a tree. How is this, like, not surprising that Jesus would look up in a tree, like, that he's looking everywhere? Is this on Yeah, proper? yeah, right? I mean, you know? looked, that's his thing. <laughs> Right? He's always looking to the edges, to the margins. In this case, the little short guy up in the tree who's, I mean, clearly drew his attention. Mm-hmm. But he's not, you would think that he would just be there to talk to the crowd. There's a whole bunch of people who, was there, who were there to listen to him. Mm-hmm. He's on his way to Jerusalem. His, Jericho is not far from Jerusalem, even today. And um, everything that he's done in his ministry to this point uh, is consistent with the idea that he would intentionally connect with this person who was despised by the community. And the irony of that is it's precisely the opposite of what we think Jesus would do, right? We think Jesus would come in and hang out with all the people in church, which, I mean, I, I don't think he wouldn't do that, but that wouldn't be, his, wouldn't be his first thing that he would do, right? He goes to those who are not in the church, which is the role of the church, by the way. To, make, to be constantly reaching out to people who are not here mm-hmm. as opposed to just caring for our own needs. But as a big institution, we kind of see self-care as our primary and self-preservation um, oh, yeah. as our primary mission when, in fact, yeah, it's not. Yeah, so the self-preservation, I mean, you bring this up how, like, people get really worried if more people come in or if we seek out this, then there's less for us. Yeah. Like, we'll be... We'll be skipped over, uh-huh. or like I may not get as much attention as uh-huh. I. <laughs> I might not hear the same hymn that I want to hear. Yeah. What if that, what if other people want to hear different things? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, that's that. The struggle is real, and it's natural because we, you know, we like what we like, and we're here with a bunch of people who like what we like, and yeah, we assume Jesus would like what we like. Mm-hmm. I think he probably would, but he would also always be pushing us beyond those walls, beyond those limitations, beyond those boundaries. Because that's exactly what he did. So the people in Jericho knew all about this guy. He's been on the road since chapter 10. You know, he's created quite, quite a stir. He's obviously very charismatic. And so there are these crowd of faithful people who are all following the law, who are waiting for them to come talk to them. And then what does he do? He gets to Jericho and he goes, hang out, hangs out with this Yehu who's been ripping us off for years. Like, what, what is going yeah. on? What kind, of, what kind of Messiah is this? And the punchline is, well, this is the Messiah. This is my, this is my job. I'm supposed to. Like, you guys are good. Mm-hmm. This is the same. It's the same story with the prodigal son, the older son. You've always been here. Everything that I have is yours. I have to welcome back your wayward brother. Mm-hmm. But that's not fair. Why don't you throw me a party? I'm the one who's actually been around doing the work, and you throw a party for him. Well, that's, yeah, 
That's the scarcity model that we tend to operate under. And across the board, spiritually, financially, um, emotionally, we think if there's more for somebody else, there's less for me. Right? I mean. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's our culture. It raises us that way. And, and Jesus very consistently says, no, that's not who we should be interested in. We need to go find, it's the, you know, you, you go find the one. Not 99 are here, we go find the one. Yeah. And we, <laughs> we love that message when we perceive ourselves to be the one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're less fond of it when we've always been a part of the 99. But that's the way God functions. And just because that grace is available to the wayward, doesn't mean that we get any less of it. Mm-hmm. It just means that we don't get all the attention all the time. Mm-hmm. And excuse me, I want all the attention all the time. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. I, I mean, I think we feel it, especially in church work right now, is the whole, let's go back to Egypt. Like, let's go back. What we used to do was really filling us, but then this, in the same breath, like, but there's not as many people here anymore. I'm like, that's, so we got to try new things. <laughs> right. So like, we can't do all the old things. We can't keep like, what do you want? But the thing is, like, we still love you. We're still going to nurture you, but we also need to go out <laughs> find new people. But it's, mm-hmm. I, I know you feel, I feel just that tension of, like, how do we still care for everyone here? But how, how can they release us to go care for these new people mm-hmm. coming in? Because they probably need a little bit more attention. I'm going to, a little bit more attention. I'm using quotes, like, um, because you are fine. Like, you've been disciple for a long time. And so you, you understand what it is. How can we help these people become strong? And make them as strong as you are in your discipleship. Mm-hmm. I feel that a lot. I think <laughs> at church work, um, and it, it just comes up in the gospels over and over again. Mm-hmm. And really, all three of the stories that we featured in this series highlight that in different different ways. The Good Samaritan does it a little bit different thing, but certainly the prodigal and and this the story of Zacchaeus mm-hmm. emphasizes that message. Yeah. So when Tom Ship Lovers Lane, when he would preach us, he said we need to be like Zacchaeus. Uh, up a tree and out on a limb mm. to find people. That was his, like, line <laughs> all the time. And, like, the, you know, the, I feel like Lover's Lane did that a lot. Tom Ship certainly lived that, mm. the way he ministered to. His main thing was alcoholics. Yeah. Like, he was very radical for that time. I loved how you, I think you might have done it in your benediction, but you probably meant it in your sermon, I'm trying to think. I mean, I did hear it twice, but I should remember this. <laughs> but... Zacchaeus had this pretty radical change. I mean, giving away so much. As a listener, we might think, I don't know if I can do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that seems so, is this really what is expected of me? What would you say is a, a, an encouraging word to those people? So I would say that to understand the story of, to understand what Luke is saying about Jesus' ministry in the story of Zacchaeus, this is one of those times where you got to see it in the broader perspective of the gospel. And yeah. where he's, because like in a row, so it's this, it's the rich man and Lazarus, it's the rich young ruler or the rich young man, and then it's the, the widow's might. Mm-hmm. It's coming in very quick succession. And each one of those characters either volunteers or is asked to do something different. So in the, widow's, in the case of the widow's might, for example, um, she puts in, not everything comes down to money, but to, mm-hmm. because it's the example in Zacchaeus's case, I'll connect it to that. So she gives away her two small coins, and uh, Jesus identifies the fact that she's given away everything she has, but what's interesting about that is that he doesn't commend her for it. What he's saying, like he's not saying that's what you should do. 
he's saying like she's giving out of she's giving of herself in a way that that shows her love for God. Um, so it, it really does come down to this, the state of your soul, and and that's different for everybody in different times of their lives. You know, obviously generosity. We're coming up on stewardship season, so this always starts to come to mind. We're, we're doing mm-hmm. stewardship mailing soon, yep. right? Oh yeah. Um, I mean, clearly the goal in scripture is a 10% gift, right? But the issue is how is that reflective of your own spiritual journey, where you are in your, in your walk, um, where you are in your relationship with God, and how you, you feel like generosity is a response to God's grace. So God moves to us first, and we respond in a way that hopefully is passionate and enthusiastic. And sometimes that shows up as doubling down on church stuff or doubling down on volunteer hours or just getting really deeply involved in your in your prayer life. I mean, there's lots of ways that that shows up. One way that's tangible and that's part of the expectation of discipleship is in giving. Zacchaeus had plenty of money, you know what I mean? So giving away half of what he had when he's got a lot, was that great? I don't know. Jesus was obviously fine with it. He didn't set any expectations for Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus volunteered his own, like he set his own yeah. expectation. So I would say no matter where people are in their journey, getting clarity around what it looks like to be a faithful follower is uh, important. Then obviously we've got ideas about that as a church, you know, prayer, Bible study, church attendance, like worship attendance, uh, service in the community, giving. But wherever you are, it's that old Chinese proverb, right? The journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. The important thing is to start with whatever your response to God is as opposed to being a passive recipient of God's grace. That's, that's a really important starting place. <laughs> but Randy Maddox has a, a book about the Wesleyan understanding of God's grace called Responsible Grace, which means there is a response that's expected. That's, that's the way Wesleyans look at it. Mm, yeah. Okay, I want to talk about Jesus came to seek the lost. Can you unpack what the lost mm. means I think that's a term that can be thrown around today yeah. and meant. So what, what does a loss to mean to you? Um, well, I mean, you know, it's like everything else in theology, it's, that's nuanced and complex, <laughs> and it's different for everybody. But I think maybe a short definition is if you're not with God, you are lost. Like if you don't identify yourself as being in a relationship with God, then I think theologically speaking, that is by definition lost. And it shows up in different ways. Sometimes it shows up as isolation. Sometimes it shows up as addiction. Sometimes it shows up as selfishness or hatred. Or you know, there's lots of things that are not of God that would indicate that you are not with God, which would indicate that you're lost. I think, I mean, religious people probably would paint that with a more specific brush. Like in in the New Testament, it's tax collectors and people who are openly sinning, and you know, the, what's the word, prostitutes and that kind of thing the obvious exterior behavior things. But I think spiritually speaking, it can be a lot more subtle than that because it's more subtle. It can be a lot more um, like sinister, you know, like Mm -hmm. you may not even realize you're lost. You just live this really self-absorbed, selfish life that has nothing to do with anything except your own wants and needs. That is spiritually lost. Mm -hmm. And so the ministry of Christ is to break through that and to to invite people into a relationship with God that then is self-giving and like lives itself out in love and service to God in the world. Mm-hmm. Anything that's not that is definitely lost. And I've, <laughs> I'm sure you could 
you could describe very specific people in your life who you know are spiritually lost and the, um, like it's easier to see from the outside. I think sometimes like any other problem people have. Okay. How would you describe it? Well, I was going to, I was even going to be ask Ashley, like growing up more evangelical or Mm -hmm. like, like I feel like the emphasis was like the lost was they're doomed for hell. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, there was, and so it was just like, okay, we got to make sure that they, they make it in. Mm -hmm. And it was never about teaching them how to be disciples, how to love God, how um, to kind of turn away or, or whatever. But what I love about every time, you know, Jesus seeks the lost or saves the lost. It's not, he never says like, okay, now you get eternal life. Like Mm -hmm. it was always like, go live differently now. Go tell others. Like it was always this, there's so much more. It's not just your ticket to get out. And I think sometimes people can talk about the lost as just these like horrible, horrible people Mm -hmm. rather than like Mm -hmm. people that are wondering, like wandering, not wondering, but like or both, actually, can you say both? But um, I don't know, sometimes we can not actually have a relationship with them to, hey, let me help you transform your life by sharing that, mm-hmm. what it means to follow God, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, what about you, Ashley? Well, I think the definition that we've been talking about is a lot harder for people to accept. It's a lot easier to other people with that definition that we grew up with of mm-hmm. like, oh, well, lost people are blah, 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 blah. It doesn't really give you this mirror to look into to be like, (laughs) am I transforming? Am I growing? Yeah. Have I changed how I'm living? Yeah. Am I the same as I was two years ago? Is that okay? You know, like it doesn't, It it's interesting Mm because it's, yeah, it just all comes back to othering when (laughs) it comes to that sort of stuff. That and um, the thing that always got me was, that's one of the things I love about Methodism is like this growth process, this like continual thing, mm-hmm. not this moment, like you kind of referenced. Because mm-hmm. like the thing that people always used to say is like, well, it's not our job to help people be who they need to be. It's it's our job to plant the seed and then God does the rest. And it like kind of takes all the onus off of community and puts all of it <laughs> back on God of mm-hmm. like, well, I yelled at them as I drove right, by on the right, highway. Right. So <laughs> I, I planted, planted the seed. seed. I threw that seed. <laughs> Yeah, right <laughs> I scared some kids at the food court in the mall today. <laughs> but yeah, no, I identify with that. That's what I love about Methodism. Yeah, and I think it's a good self-reflection. I mean, Chris, you know, and you already kind of said this, how we go in phases where sometimes we're a little bit more committed or on fire or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's us to look in the mirror and say, not that you're like, I don't believe anymore, right. but like I'm a little lost right now. Mm-hmm. Like I'm struggling a little bit. Like, so I know Jesus is going to meet me because that's what he does. Mm-hmm. But how, in this case, how can I be like Zacchaeus? Right. Like, right. I really want to, I need to see you. I need to reach out to you. Mm-hmm. I need, you know. I love that. Yeah. The, so the gospel is not, is not eternal fire insurance. <laughs> that's not the right. point. And you'll never get you'll never find Jesus talking about it that way. It's all about transforming who you are. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's that transformation is based on your love for God, which then transforms how you love others. Mm-hmm. And you know, John Wesley would say if you're not loving others, then you don't have faith. That's the bottom line. If you have faith, you must that lives itself out in works. And that's one of the reasons that the the reformers, other reformers, other traditions were very suspicious of Wesley because he sounded borderline like works righteousness, mm. like we have to earn God's grace. And he was very clear. It's not about earning God's grace. 
It's about responding to God's grace. And if you truly believe in the grace of God, then you cannot help but live a generous and self-giving life. And so if your life cannot by any measure be construed uh, to be self-giving or generous or compassionate or loving, then you are lost. Mm -hmm. And you may not like it. Yeah. But Jesus is looking for you too. Yep. And wants you to change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, that's... <laughs> it that's gets the, me. It's the, good that's stuff. That's the essence of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And the reason Zacchaeus is so warmly received is because he gets it. He seeks him out. He, whatever... There, clearly, there's some kind... There's The Holy Spirit's working on Zacchaeus before he ever offers half of his stuff and pay, pay him back four times as much as whatever he's stolen. And... And Jesus can see that because Jesus is God. I mean, that's how we're, our understanding. So he's like, oh, truly, you're, you're good, man. You're good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You tell this really wonderful story in your sermon. It'd be too long to say for our podcast, yeah, yeah. but about being a child of God. So what are the three stories we've preached about? Tell us about what it means to be a child of God. That is kind of a theme between all three, mm-hmm. right? And um, I mean, I think the story of Zacchaeus, the, where I landed on this time, was that God is seeking us, and so we should seek God. Sometimes we seek God, and then we realize God's seeking us. But there's a, there's a correlation between the two, that that's a, um, a mutual relationship, a two-way relationship. The prodigal means we can always come home, number one. And even if we've always been home, we shouldn't be bitter about the ones who haven't. Like, so there's this, we are forgiven, and therefore we should also forgive. Mm-hmm. That's that mutuality, that two-way thing. And then the story of the Good Samaritan is um, like that sometimes this self-giving life that we're called to live is risky. You know, I mean, it was, it was not without risk what the Samaritan did. Also, the ones who are maybe least likely to be high on our hero list probably have some redeemable qualities as well because we're all part of this family of God. Whether, I mean, some of us don't choose to participate, but it doesn't mean we're not invited and I just, that, that story from Fred Craddock, it was fun. We have one of our uh, church members is a former dean at Perkins. And on the way out, I had really some fun interactions after the, after the sermon yesterday. So Don heard Fred tell that story mm. live. And he said it was captivating. I think it was captivating or something. And then this former dean at Perkins, like he said, it warmed his heart to hear Fred Craddock's name mentioned mm. in worship because Fred was a, you know, his beloved. Methodist preacher of that generation and professor. And that story is just, it's great. Like, you've never, you've never heard that story. Because did you have Dr. Stevenson Messner in seminary? I did, but I don't remember hearing that story. Yeah, so she played that. The class I had with her was uh, pastoral care and family systems. And that's, a, I mean, that's great family system stuff mm-hmm. there because it's abandoned by your father. So you can claim you yeah. know, divine parentage kind of thing. But that's, that story just, it's so good. And I've, I've told it a few times. And, uh, I haven't told it, I've, I've said, I've told it here, but it takes some practice because it takes some rehearsal, I'm saying, because there's, there's a couple of parts in there that are just so touching where this kid is, uh, like he claims the unconditional love of God and transforms his own, his own understanding of his identity Yeah, in this really touching way. So how would you describe what it means to be a child of God? Well, I feel like every story challenges us and reminds us that everyone is a child of God and has the image of God in them. So all the characters in The Good Samaritan, even though they chose wrongly, <laughs> some of them chose wrongly, were not loving. The prodigal son, everyone in that story, even if they didn't choose right, still have the image of God, mm-hmm. you know. And then in this one, Zacchaeus, who was 
really hated. So we think about that person that in our society and be like, yeah, they're still a child of God. That's that's tough stuff. Mm. But I mean, Jesus did that a lot in his ministry. <laughs> you know, he came. He's constantly stepping on people's he's toes. He's constantly saying, yeah. "Yeah, that person. Guess what? I still love them." Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, even that guy. Even that guy. Even the chief bad guy. Even the chief. <laughs> yeah. I was not going to sing the song. Okay. You can. You no. didn't sing it yesterday with me. I made Ben come down and I know. sing it with me. Do you want me to come down? I always feel awkward. Yeah, you should. Okay. Hundred percent. Yeah. I'm not sure we can get Mike to come down. Probably not. I'm not sure that's his wheelhouse. <laughs> I don't know. Actually, maybe it is. We'll have to see. We'll have to to invite him. I come down there when you're doing it. Yeah, you did. Yeah. But you're like, you're just a kid. (laughs) That's true. Two baptisms yesterday. I mean. Awesome, by the way. Yes. Back to it. So, really funny story. Uh, The Kilgores that baptized at at 11, Amy Inns, who's on staff here, her friend came to visit the church for the first time. She works with Samantha, the mom, and didn't know it. No way. So they saw each other in the parking lot. They were so excited. It was kind of a cool connection of them getting to witness that. Listen, I've got the touch with babies. You do. I I love love kids. Mm -hmm. And they were bigger. They were bigger. You know, infants are are a little intimidating because you don't, you got to hold them in a way that you can show them off, but you don't Uh want to hold them in a way that, you know. No, like Simba. You know, well, you could do that, but there's a risk there. Yeah. <laughs> but these were both like, what, 15 months or something like that? Yeah. And they were just sitting up, pretty yep. picture looking. Yeah. They always like to grab that funny looking mic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you got to, you know. Gosh, that first one, he kept hands. answering everything the first Yeah. He was on <laughs> Every it. Every question. Yeah. And then the second one, the big sister was like, we do. <laughs> we do. <laughs> it was so awesome. It was a great, it was a great. It was indeed. Uh, All right, so this coming week is World Communion Sunday. I'm preaching on, I think, Second Timothy. You should not look at me for that answer. I don't, you know. don't know. You don't know what I'm preaching on? I don't. Ahead of time. <laughs> and then we'll have some some kind of fun music, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Have yeah. communion. We've got some kids involved at yeah. 11 o'clock for World Communion. Kids involved. All, mm-hmm. It's always a winner. Yeah. yeah. Some bread. Have, say again? <laughs> Perhaps some bread. <laughs> There'll be some bread. Some mm-hmm. bread. Are we doing... Like different world breads? Yeah, we are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we also have a town hall after. If anybody can't come to the town hall, we're not leaving the United Methodist Church. Right. Yeah. Let's just, <laughs> just to sum it up. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll spend 10 minutes saying mm-hmm. that, but that's the bottom line. Yeah. We're going to be mm-hmm. United Methodist this if, time next year. Yeah. If you want to send questions, go to cumc.com slash connect. Slash connect. Mm-hmm. Yes. And submit them there. Yep. Uh, all right, y'all. Well. That was uh, great to be with you for another episode of Off Script. We'll be back next week. Hope you all have a fantastic week. God bless you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Off Script. It was hosted by Reverend Chris Dowd and Reverend Reagan Gilland. Produced by Ashley Danner as a part of the Christ United Podcast Ministries. You can visit cumc.com backslash podcasts in order to see all of the series we have available. Like, subscribe, and follow us so that you don't miss a single episode. Thank you for supporting us. Have a great week.